You people are no longer just fools. Today, you are clowns. <laughs> From now on until the day you die, wherever you are, every clown is your comrade. Most of you will go to the big top. Some of you will not come back. But always remember this. Clowns never say die. That's what we're here for. But the clown corps lives forever, and that means you live forever. To the hyperfixation where my friends come on to my show and tell me about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes so I can acquire an approximate knowledge of many things. My name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns and I am joined today by Ken. Hey everybody, it's me, Ken. I use she and him pronouns uh, and I'm here to talk about clowns. Clowns? Yeah, clowns. I think you've probably heard of them. Uh, and you might, I think there's like a 50-50 chance you might be terrified of them, depending on who you are and where you grew up. You know, I don't know if I told you this. For From my seventh grade year into college, I ran, or I was part of running a uh, haunted clown house. <gasps> oh, so you've for been charity? inoculated. Wait, for charity? <laughs> Really? For charity. <laughs> yes, we donated all the money to our local uh, fire explorers uh, unit, I guess. And then the very last year went to our tuitions. That's a fantastic that use cool. of weaponized scary clowns. Oh, dude. And we weren't just your regular scary clowns. It wasn't like jump scares and stuff like dudes in clown masks and lab coats and speedos running around and just taunting you the whole time in a maze like it was a lot of fun i love clowns so i I guess i have one foot on both sides of this of uh, the scary clowns and the fun clowns oh that's fantastic so you and i met on the internet it's true people do these days (laughs) (laughs) thanks to the moonshot network thanks to chris hutton bringing the families together (laughs) under the big top under the big top (laughs) And I'm so grateful. And it's uh, it's just, it's so good knowing you. Thank you for being in my life, first of all. No, thank you. I'm so happy that Ow. I get to call you a friend. Oh, shucks. <laughs> I'm doing the uwu fingers. You can't see it. It's the audio format. But... Oh, good. I'm blushing like an anime <laughs> character over here. <laughs> <laughs> I live. But I've known you this whole time as a fool, as mm-hmm. a silly little lad. But when did this, when did, when did this start for you? When did when did tomfoolery become a priority in your life? I first became a silly little guy, I think just a couple of years ago, maybe like two or three, let's call it. Uh, I don't know when the clown seed really took root in my soul, but mm-hmm. I, I I found 
a little chart that I made, uh, notably in Cran, where I was trying to beginning of right beginning of the pandemic or right before the pandemic, trying to sort out what my gender was. Uh, and the word clown was definitely in there. So I have archaeological evidence of clown becoming a part of my soul in a very intimate way around Aww. 2020, 2019. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started, you know, I, ju- I was just dipping a toe in at first. I was like, clown. Hmm. They seem kind of fun. <laughs> These clown guys. Hmm. They seem like they're a little bit fun. I like fun. You know what else I like? I like bright mm-hmm. colors. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. into makeup yet, but what they're what they've got going on that seems approachable and fun so i i started doing clown makeup and then as just an incorrigible history nerd uh i started looking into the history of clowns and uh that has i've been treating it like a second job (laughs) at this point honestly Mm. um it's just become a spiral of uh like the history all the way up to uh ancient greek of like you know just the impact of the fool in history which is what has only like solidified not just my hyperfixation, but like my respect for the role, both of clown and fool in general, which mm-hmm. um, you know, the the taxonomy is something that I feel very strongly about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the the our mimes clown debate. And if you haven't, oh boy, do some people feel real strong about that one. I am um, very excited to yeah. hear more about that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh don't worry. I'm bookmarking that one. I'm going to proselytize uh, my clown taxonomy. Uh, I'm using this as a platform. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so this was a fairly recent development for me. Uh, only, you know, it started 2020, 2019. And only over the, pa- over the summer, really, did I start really buckling down, doing my research, uh, and just really getting into the clown lifestyle <laughs> to the point where, and we could talk more about this later, but I'm just mm-hmm. like bursting at the seams about it. I am about to start helping out Clowns International with their social Ooh. media. Hey, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's uh but we're gonna talk we're gonna say it's like an unpaid internship, but I'm still very excited at the opportunity. Uh because boy, what a story. <laughs> what mm-hmm. what a story to have that on your resume. But Absolutely. Yeah. Uh and it is funny, so you know. This seemingly coming out of nowhere, I have been trying to trace my historical potential clown appreciation throughout the ages, um, all 27 years, so many ages of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. And Harley Quinn has always been an obsession of mine. I love that clown girl boss. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. My middle, my middle name is Quinn. So, I mean, naturally Ooh. from the get go, I was going to be in love, right? Day one. Exactly. And so that was a that was a big one. But. Even before then, have you ever seen the show Big Comfy Couch? <gasps> oh, oh, <laughs> I I had nightmares about no! the little doll. Oh, no. So I I loved that show. The 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 TLDR of the of the nightmare is that uh Molly the doll mm-hmm. wouldn't let me go upstairs to get to my room. And um, because oh. she's she's nonverbal, you know, she she's just kind of she's a doll, she just kind of tosses around and like makes gestures Mm -hmm. my poor little neurodivergent brain didn't understand what the doll was trying to tell me so i just took it as uh this is danger and (laughs) oh no i wonder what her machinations were yeah i I would love to know (laughs) (laughs) that is very funny though that it was the doll and not the clowns which i think most people would probably be more afraid of the clowns 
Oh, she, I love the doll shoes or not the doll, the clown. Uh, what was her name again? Um, oh, geez. Oh, I don't remember oh, man, her What name. was her name? I know she but, was uh, adorable. Lunette. Lunette. What a good name, right? Absolutely. I, I loved her. I actually uh, was invited to a costume party where we all dress up as uh, like old school TV show hosts. Oh. And I was going to dress up as Lunette. Oh, that's very good. And also very mm-hmm. comfy. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Easy outfit. But yes, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Continue about the big comfy couch. <laughs> love her. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, that instilled with me also my love of just being as cozy as possible at all times. Who's to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I find these little breadcrumbs like that. Uh, I also really got into Harlequins in high school. I thought they were real cool. Who doesn't love a diamond pattern and a hopeless romantic all, all wrapped in mm-hmm. one? And so, yeah, I, f- I find these little breadcrumbs throughout my life. and. I I don't I I really can't I can't point to ground zero exactly uh but I mm-hmm. know I saw one really cool person with really cool clown makeup in a photo shoot once and I was like it was like my clown egg cracked <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. oh you can do that like you could just you look hatched. like a really cool clown <laughs> Uh, which clown eggs are a whole other thing we can talk about later uh cuz they're real and they're mm-hmm. very real <laughs> but yeah, so that that's kind of my uh, erratic and vague history of becoming basically a fool. Oh, I'm I'm already like getting the 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 wiggles because, uh, like <laughs> I said before, like I I have a uh, how do I describe it? I had my big clown time back in like middle high school and college. I've got a ton of pictures. Like I wasn't like that great at it at the makeup and stuff, but. Hey, I had a good time and that's all that mattered. It literally is all that matters. And so now I'm sitting here. I'm like, wait, is is this what I'm supposed to be? Like, should I should I be looking more at my my clownhood more often? Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I encourage everybody to I for National Clown Week, uh, which is a real week. It's the first week of August of every year. Um, I made a little thread detailing like, hey, if you want to dress like a clown and put clown makeup on, here's what I do. Spread the love. Uh, It really makes me happy to see people dressing up like a clown because one, I mean, you know, one, it's my influence. Like from a selfish perspective, I just love Mm -hmm. seeing people be affected directly by my influence. (laughs) Uh, And two, it's Mm -hmm. just really fun to see people having fun and be like, "Ah, yeah, they're having a good time. They're just doing what the fuck ever they want. Absolutely. Yeah. This clown paint is a is a license for me to do whatever the hell I want. Exactly. And if it looks like shit the first time, that's fine because it's you're being silly. You're having a silly fun time and you can say it was on purpose and nobody can say mm-hmm. otherwise. <laughs> if they say otherwise, you let me know. <laughs> I will. I'll get after them. Absolutely. But yes, I'm excited for the meat and potatoes of today and hearing more about the historical impact and the just the story as a whole of clowns. Well, not as a whole, as much as you as you are excited to talk about. Oh, babe, I'm rubbing my grubby little hands over here. Little grubby hands. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna press the timer and I'm gonna let you go ham. Okay. The timer is set. I'm ready. Okay. So I would like to start with just like the notion of when I say fool like what does that conjure up for you i see like the ye olde english jesters in my head Mm -hmm. 
with like the split hats with the jingly bells. Yes, it's very good. Uh, what does it mean for you from a cultural perspective? And that that is a very vague question, I know, but just like it, it, when it comes to the role that it potentially could play in culture, what does what comes to mind for you there? Um, I'm going to have to using, I guess, the context clues of like we as humans, we always kind of need to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Um whether it's cheering up children, keeping them distracted through play or when you're watching a play or, you know, some sort of stage production or uh, whatever it may be, people have always been seeking entertainment. And there's probably always been people who want to entertain, you know, like it's it's a lot of a lot of us are Leo's at heart. OK, <laughs> so my Leo moon agrees with you. Uh huh. Mine, too. <laughs> And so that's, you know, that's, I can kind of see where uh, maybe there's just a natural draw. Like when someone figured out that's something they could do, uh, it just fell down like a rock downhill. Like it just started going. Fantastic. Excellent. Those are that's those are both very good answers, uh, because where I want to start is where I started my research. Jesters. Um, so I will say, although clowns are somewhat of my bread and butter uh, and don't tell the clown mm-hmm. This. this is very secret. I um uh, I have always <laughs> I don't know what this is gonna sound like a whack sentence, but I have always felt more connected to the role of a jester than a clown, truly. I have always, especially I, I mean, my main social media platform is Twitter. And mm-hmm. when I log on to Twitter and I say my my silly little jokes, I truly mm-hmm. do feel just like a little jester trying to juggle some bread for the royal court which is 12,000 people on the internet uh, and just kind of you know trying to be a, a wacky little guy uh, because if I don't I, I will get beaten not by my followers but uh, by my own insecurities right and so <laughs> uh, and so that's that's really I feel more like a jester than a clown I, if mm-hmm. I were to put it in my gender it's like clown and Jen and Jester is my she him. <laughs> and I'm leaning towards was, the him more and more as I go. I love how that makes 100% complete sense in my mind. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I can't tell you how relieved I am to hear that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I started my research uh, going back to Jester's because I was like, hey, that's pretty old, right? Like, that's early. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty old down the historical line. Uh, and I read this really great book called uh, Fools Are Everywhere. I cannot recommend it enough. There are not a lot of sources on jesters. It's uh, That is one thing I, just as a quick aside, have found to be a weirdly uh, repeated struggle of mine is finding like people who have decided to write about clowns and jesters and fools in general when they're such like an ever-present you know, figure in history, uh, you know, to varying degrees. Uh, even the Commedia dell'arte, which, you know, put a pin in that, I'll come back to that later. Mm-hmm. Most of it was just really pretentious journal articles. Like nobody really uh, sat down and gave a basic, like, comprehensive look at this subject. Mm-hmm. So uh, cannot recommend that book enough uh, because it was a comprehensive look at the subject in a really interesting way. Uh, And I read that and it basically was like, hey, you know how medieval jesters, you think of them. And just like you said, you got they got the split hat. They got their gay little bells and they're shaking Mm -hmm. their ass for the king. Hell yeah. That's that's true. 
But then there's also other ones in other cultures that you don't know about because the Ooh. the gesture of, you know, medieval lore is so omnipresent in our Western society. Mm-hmm. There were gestures in Chinese courts specifically. Uh, they have a long and storied history. Ooh. And a lot of it is just kind of the same role, but with varying degrees. Um, you know, a king always wants to see somebody doing backflips, for example, <laughs> um, and also telling like a funny joke. Uh, and so those roles <laughs> to varying degrees are found across various cultures. There's also uh, there's also Mayan, ancient Mayan uh, gestures of record. Uh, although we will say like, when I say jester, that word is obviously specific to medieval Europe. It's an Indo-European word, right? And so there are not direct translations for the word jester in Chinese, for example, uh, but the term royal fool in a loose term, I'm just going to use jester for that just because it's easier. Mm -hmm. And also, I just really like it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there are jesters uh, across all cultures, all throughout history, um, up into a certain point. There's this cutoff in like the 1700s. All the gestures are gone. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the main one is the eventual degradation of uh, the monarchy, the monarchy and the nobility, which like, woo, happy about that. The less kings there are, the fewer gestures there are going to, you know, the job market's kind of drawn up at that point. Yeah. Uh, but also the gestures are being usurped by this hot new thing on the cultural market called the Commedia dell'arte. Have you ever heard of this? I have heard of the word, but usually it's like it's like when you hear a word, you're like, I think I'll figure it out in context. And I just assumed it was a, a fun guy, but I didn't know what what the extent of that fun guy is. Yeah, there's quite a few fun guys in the Commedia dell'arte. Which we can put a pit in that uh, before we get fully mm-hmm. into there. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the, the thing that fascinates me with gestures the most is uh, it was one of the few. Is meritocratic a word? I, I know meritocracy is a word that isn't really real, <laughs> but is meritocratic a word? We can make it a word. Yeah, let's make that a word for this instance. Um, mm-hmm. Being a, a jester was something that you could be born into it. Absolutely. But most of the time, honestly, if the king was walking down the street and he saw you like do a funny thing, he would just pluck you off the street and put you in his royal court. Uh, One of my favorite examples was, oh, I cannot remember his name. Actually, hold on. I do. I have it written down in my utterly excessive Mm -hmm. notes. Oh, God, never mind. They're too excessive. I'm not going to find it. (laughs) He's lost both to history and my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he was a sheep thief this dude was a sheep thief before he became a jester and it literally says that on his wikipedia page former occupation sheep thief that's a job i know right uh how fantastic for you to be so prolific at stealing sheep that it's like literally your occupation the lupon the third of sheep let's go yes exactly So I, you know, maybe maybe he didn't like being a jester. Maybe he missed his sheep thieving days. Who knows? Uh, but uh, so, yeah, uh, he in particular is a great example of just you get plucked off the street one day <laughs> and you just you become a silly little guy professionally, which in my opinion, man, that's just the way to go. 
because like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm basically making that my job right now or trying my darndest to mm-hmm. so that that's where like the history of jesterdom has really just enamored me uh because it's as simple as you're fulfilling this basic need for humor for even if it's a rich guy you're, you're still fulfilling that need the interesting part about the job of the jester is it's not all just silly little games. Oh, it's also therapy. <gasps> really? Kinda. It, it's more advisory. So jesters would uh, often play the role of uh, advisor can sometimes be a strong word because it's not like the king was going to the jester and being like, Hey, I think you should make this policy or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. They're they're not exactly doing that. But the jester was somebody that the king kept very close to him uh, at all Mm -hmm. times. uh, Some people even had such a close relationship with their jesters that they would allow them into their bedchambers without knocking first. (gasps) Ooh. I know. Unfortunately, we have no record of actually gay jesters. Ah. But I mean, come on. Just because it wasn't written Mm. down in someone's book doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? Yeah, it's a canon in my head. <laughs> and that's all that matters, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, sorry, got distracted here. I saw that Jakey wants me to know that I love him. <laughs> no, hi, Jakey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so not only uh, were they a silly little guy professionally, they were somebody that the king really trusted that was implicit in the role. And so when the king was being a little bit of an asshole, and maybe they were on the verge of making the peasants revolt, uh, then they would kind of, they would try you know, using their humor and wit in a very sly way, and using a jokey joke here and there, to be like, hey, King, hey, King, uh, you want to scale that back a little bit? <laughs> you want to try again? <laughs> there are some instances of, like, a, a figure, Tanali Rama in India, who... Uh, hilariously fools are everywhere the author describes as an indian super jester uh which is just a fantastic Ooh. term one day i'll be i'll reach the rank of super jester s <laughs> tier super gen super gender <laughs> super jester <laughs> the power levels are off the charts um, it's so- over nine thousand <laughs> nine thousand japes uh so this this quote-unquote super jester uh, again, not the actual term they used in India, but he was a royal fool advisor. Uh, he sometimes would just like piss off the king so bad he'd banish him. But then the king would be like, man, I do miss that silly fucking guy. <laughs> Bring him back. In. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, sorry, I am getting overwhelmed by the thoughts of all the gestures. They're like emerging from my brain cells doing silly little dances. <laughs> no me no (laughs) exactly no talk about me but yeah so that that is basically the interesting part of the jester relationship is it was truly like a relationship with the king they when you're a monarch when you're a king it uh, you know i don't want to sound sympathetic because fuck the monarchy but it is a fairly Mm -hmm. lonely position right you probably don't like your wife very much because she was assigned to you when she was a teenager right Mm -hmm. uh there's many people who want to see you dead uh there's many people who they act like they love you and want to kiss your butt but secretly they also want you dead or they just hate you because you're a bad person yeah but the jester he is literally your emotional support silly little guy he's there for you he's there for you both to make you happy 
and to be a friendly, you know, like a friendly voice and also a listening ear. Obviously, there are varying degrees of this, but this is a consistency that we find across like the the holy or sorry, the the royal fool and the monarch relationship is it it's like I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's just rife for sexual tension. <laughs> you know, it's it I, I picture it in my brain is just like you're just the king. You hear this one person just crack the best joke and it's like love at first sight. And you're like that one. Exactly. I need that one. And then <laughs> now they're your friend forever. And could you imagine like one of these days, mom, I promise the king's going to see me be a silly little guy and I'm going to be chosen <laughs> and you're going to and you're going to remember those words. <laughs> they're going to write down that I farted in a history book and they're going to remember me for hundreds of years. Just you wait. <laughs> uh, there is actually a guy who uh, his name is Roland the Farter. He is he was given a salary to fart once a year at the Christmas banquet. I need that job. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> he was even given land. All he had to do was fart a bunch on Christmas for this get for the king. It was one of the King Edwards's. There's too many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, that that's uh, of all the gigs to have, his is definitely uh, the cushiest. Mm-hmm. There's a fart joke in there somewhere. I'm not the man to no. make it. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but yeah, so that we're going to uh, if I'm going to to go down the, the line of fool history, that's where I'll stop with jesters. OK, just because I mean, again, I could go on forever for all of these topics. I've literally written a couple thousand words on all of them so far. Hey, yo, <laughs> I do have a question for you. I was going to say, yes, on. question time, please. I, I'm sure you have a list of, of famous uh, jesters that you've come across in your studies. And you mentioned the farter. But is there any particular one that is your favorite? I think it might be the Indian super jester, Tanali Rama. He, there are, uh, and, and you know, it's kind of the thing where I'm sure there were jesters I would have liked more, but no, just nobody thought to write about them or write down their great jokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Denali Rama, there are a ton of great anecdotes uh, attributed to him. Like there was one uh, where the king is just like, he's really bummed out. He's really upset. And they're like in a, in uh, kind of like a bathhouse. They're not in the bath when this happens because he'd probably drown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tanali yeah. Rama uh, is just like sitting there and the king comes up and he just like lays his head in his lap and Tanali just like does a bunch of quips. Uh, and it's just like, I, I love that from a very like, it shows like a level of tenderness and acceptance mm-hmm. and just like, you know, a kindness that I think is like, it should be hand in hand with being a fool, right? Because then yeah. there's also anecdotes of him just being like a fucking little bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one time he tr- he's banished by his emperor because he just, you know, he's being a smart ass. He's banished by his emperor and the emperor's like, I never want to see your face in here again. And so Tanali like walks out and then immediately walks back in with a jar over his head. Oh, <laughs> it's fucking classic. <laughs> it good. is so fucking classic. Um. Uh, yeah, those those are the two prime anecdotes where it's like I think of a jester and I'm like, man, that guy did a great job. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. He's very good. Let's see. I think that might be 
if I have another question, like we'll be in the middle of a different clown topic and I'll be like, oh, wait, back to the gestures for three seconds. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's totally good. But I'm ready. Okay. So if we're, well, so like I so bravely foreshadowed before, gestures kind of died out for a while. Uh, <gasps> and by for a while, I mean, it just, they, they just did. I, I know of like one real life jester. He gave me a shout out on well he didn't give me a shout out but he replied to one of my tweets on twitter which is like top 10 ken moments putting that on my wall i absolutely put okay. that tweet out <laughs> but uh he basically was i i tweeted about being jealous that he's an actual jester uh his name is erwin Lefall, and he is welsh and he is like an employed town jester oh that's a quick aside there were also jesters that were just kind of like in the uh, uh in employ for the whole town Nice communal jester. And he is <laughs> one of those gesture. in the modern day. Uh, and yeah, I tweeted about being jealous. And he told me, it seems like with this Twitter account, you're doing, you're living the jester spirit. And I'm like, boy, you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, aside from like him, uh, I'm not sure how many other jesters there are. Uh, I'm not invited to a ton of royal courts. I know that might be talking. No. I'm shocked. <laughs> But uh, so one of the nails in the coffin, aside from changing class relations uh, and violent overthrows, uh, was nice. Nice. Yes, exactly. Which I'm a fan of was the Commedia dell'arte, which I'm sure there are going to be theater nerds who hear me say some things about the Commedia dell'arte and they're going to be like this fucking idiot. This goddamn fool does not know what he's talking about. And they're mostly right. them. <laughs> they're mostly right like i said earlier the commedia dell'arte it's just like it is so <laughs> how, how do i put this delicately uh there are people who take it very seriously Ooh. it is like i it, it is an old you know medieval starting around the 15th century play art form it came about it, it's basically just like imagine you've got a bunch of actor friends and you're like i want to put on a play and okay you are like well i don't really want to like come up with a whole play you know like that's a lot of work i'm not shakespeare because this would have been happening at least for a while concurrently with shakespeare mm -hmm. uh and you're like well you know what you know what i heard i heard that there's this hot new play on the scene that is just a, a bunch of set characters and they all have their their role both in storytelling and in name and you know what we could just like go up there and be those characters and just kind of fuck around and like have fun with it and that's the commedia dell'arte is it's it is a it, it's not cookie cutter by any means uh but it is a way to perform these certain archetypal characters uh, in a funny, improvisational manner with a very light guiding hand. Uh, so some of the uh, archetypes are... Uh, so Harlequin is actually from the Commedia dell'arte. Oh. And he is what we call a zanny, which I don't know if that's where we get the word zanny. Some people said so. I'm not sure entirely. So he, for example, uh, is the, the romantic but he is also at the same time a fool. He's like a clownish figure. Uh, and mm -hmm. that is illustrated by the fact that like he'll do things like 
you scare him, he'll do a backflip. <laughs> uh, it, it's very heavy-handed archetypal things. So like the, the Zany character, again, for example, that is the full character in all these plays. All of these mm-hmm. plays are different because they're improvisational. They were, anybody can do them. That's the other benefit of it is uh, you can have like a professional troupe and they're fully funded and they have like a specific writer to write scripts out for them. Or like my earlier example, it could just be like you and your friends decide to go on tour as this as this uh, play troupe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that was another thing, just like kind of freedom to play around uh, with this public performing space. Also, a little fun fact, we would not have the ability for women to be actors if not for the Commedia dell'arte. You know, I didn't, I knew that back then they didn't have women actors. And, but that was, that's the thing that I never really thought about. It's like, how did, did we just like slowly like make our way out of that? Or what was the catalyst for like bringing women onto the stage? And I didn't realize that it was clowns. It really was. Yeah. There is a female archetype character uh, who I, I believe the name is. Colombia, Colombia. I don't know. It's Italian. Mm. I don't. I didn't mean to say that so derisively. No, <laughs> sorry, Italians. <laughs> uh, but there is like a female archetypal character, and you know, if it's just you and your buds, you can put a female in that role. You can put a lady there, and nobody can tell you no because you don't have a boss. <laughs> you are your own boss, just going around putting on these shows. There's no manager to yell at. Exactly. Oh, my God. It, it, uh, at least until one of the main actors decides they are. Oh, true. Which, oh, man, apparently, I didn't get to read any firsthand accounts, but apparently, you're never going to believe this, there was drama oh. between them. Drama. hmm <laughs> So, the, the Comedia dell'arte was definitely the catalyst. It was, it was why we have Meryl Streep. Thank God. For uh, real? <laughs> yep. God Meryl bless Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl oh, Streep man. was a Commedia dell'arte character. Really? <laughs> yep, she, she's actually a time traveler. I don't know if you knew this. Oh my god! I know, pretty groundbreaking. Oh. <sighs> Mind blown. <laughs> but in addition to uh, the Zanny character and the female character, Colombe, and uh, there's these old man characters, Il Dottore and El Vecchio. Uh, El Vecchio, I... I'm not going to get too into it, but just trust me when I say he's the reason we have the word pants. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, his, his, uh, his name is Pantalone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you might be able to make the connection there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so all of these characters, you know, you slot in these roles uh, and you can just do what you want with them. It's improv comedy. Uh, you're having fun with it. But mm-hmm. the clown of the situation, all of these people are fools. All of them are exaggerated characters. You're, you know, again, these are meant to be comedy dramas, a dramedy. Just made up that word for the first time ever myself. Dramedy. <laughs> uh-huh. Nobody's ever heard it before now. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of these characters are slotted in and the Zanny is the clown of the situation. He is the wackiest. He's the silliest. He does a lot of, like I said, he does a lot of flips. He does a lot of exaggerated motions with his with his arms and just general acrobatics. He tells a lot of dirty jokes. Hmm. Of course, it, this was of course this was lowbrow. <laughs> this was lowbrow entertainment. That's all, partly a lie. Uh, some Commedia dell'arte troops also uh, were invited to royal courts across Europe. 
Oh. Yeah, if they were real good at telling those dirty jokes. <laughs> but the Zanny uh, is, I, I have to, it's so confusing. The Zanny is both the name of a character and the archetype of several other different characters like Harlequin. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know why that, again, clown taxonomy, it's this whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, but the Zanny is uh, the the sort of like central, the, the ground zero for the modern day clown. Because one of uh, his traits is he is like, he is a loud, rural, lower class, sometimes immigrant. Which, I mean, sometimes was used for racist effect. But in the plays Ugh. that I read, it surprisingly wasn't always. Um, I mean, but you know, you know how. Europeans. Europeans. And so uh he he is a he's basically just like a loud, silly, uh both dumb but sly guy. And he uh he usually in his earliest uh interpretations, he's wearing like like legit flower sacks, right? Like big, big poofy loose clothing. It's all patched up to emphasize the fact that he's if mm-hmm. if you know the Pierrot clown character, kind of imagine that. I actually don't know what that looks like. Oh, well, I can't wait to put that in here for you. Because it's, uh, uh, Pierrot is another zany character who is actually from the Commedia dell'arte. He just kind of like grew into his own thing. And the same thing with Harlequin. Uh, these characters, they mutated, <gasps> became their own independent clown characters. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you see him with like sad makeup and a pointy little hat. Yeah, so he's a sad. He's a sad for boy. the for the listeners at home. Yeah, it's like the I'm getting that. There, there's a very uh, I don't know how to describe this for the listeners at home. You've done a, a really good job at describing it, but like the poofs, the white makeup. Yeah, like, and he's I'm, got like I, a black skull cap on. Uh, this, if you want to yeah. look it up. Uh, uh, what's what's this bitch's name? I I say bitch. That's I'm sorry. He's a no. renowned actor. <laughs> Wasn't he in, he looks, when I was a little kid, my mom went and saw Cirque du Soleil in Orlando and brought me back a DVD. And I watched that DVD over and over and over of the performance. And I can't remember what it was called, but they had this fella in it. Not, maybe not this specific fella, but. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, he's one of the, uh, like, he was super popular, obviously, in the. Uh oh, here's the name John Charles de Barreau. He's French. Cut me some slack on the pronunciation. <laughs> but yeah, the Perot was really popular during the Art Deco era because I mean, just look at it. It's that simple and clean look, just like Kingdom Hearts. Oh, you can't. You got. You got to it before I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we were both there though mentally. Mm-hmm. I can't hear simple and clean without getting the rest of the song stuck in my head. <laughs> No, that's good. It'll give you power to get through the rest of me just monologuing about clowns. <laughs> oh, now I'm just going to yell more. <laughs> no, that's that's even better. Let's bring it. Hell yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, so uh, the Zanny, he uh, in his early interpretations, this is a great uh, a great example of the look. Big, white, poofy, loose clothing. It would also help emphasize when he did acrobatic shit, just kind of like the ridiculousness of it. And so as time goes on, sometimes they have like white shit on their face for, uh, you know, for ease of expression. The thing about the Commedia dell'arte, though, is they all have masks 
or most of them have masks. Uh, I I never really got exactly uh, how the masks really started to cement themselves in the play or the plays or the characters rather, uh, mm-hmm. except for uh, so like the Carnival of Venice. Uh, you know how the Carnival they have their fa- their fancy and sometimes scary masks. Yeah. The Commedia dell'arte originated also in Venice, so I, I that is kind of like viewed as a direct ancestor to why they wore masks. Huh. Okay. But so you know, this is the archetypal character. It branches out. It gets variations, like the Harlequin. Obviously, this is kind of the exact opposite of Harlequin. But over the course of like three hundred years, people are going to make their own costumes for these characters. They're going to do their own interpretations for these characters. They're going to make their own jokes. They're going to make their own special backflips i don't know how true this is because i cannot for the life of me imagine how this happens but there is a record of this guy who he's playing i believe a harlequin if not a harlequin at least a zanny character Mm -hmm. and like the whole bit is he gets he's holding like a glass of wine and somebody tries to scare him to spill the wine and he does a backflip in fear without spilling the wine in the glass (gasps) <gasps> oh man ah oh, that's so cool though how right it's like uh, i i need to find somebody who can do a backflip and just i need to see this for my own it, it haunts me at night like how the <laughs> fuck did he do that twitter help, help <laughs> twitter help him. someone do a backflip <laughs> so yeah the, these things you know they they gradually evolve as the commedia dell'arte also dies out uh it it, it died out <sighs> A kind of, let's say, around like the 1800s. Uh, that's when mm-hmm. characters like Perot and Harlequin really, really kind of uh, divorced themselves from the Commedia dell'arte because, you know, popular culture was really enraptured with specifically them as archetypes mm-hmm. of characters. I, I think probably just because they're both hopeless romantic characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the hopeless romantic era. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and they were roommates? And they were roommates. See, that's my thing. They need to stop pining over a woman and start pining over each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they can both do backflips. What if they did backflips holding hands? Like, how great. <gasps> what if they backflipped into a kiss? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Uh, <laughs> it sounds so dangerous in real life. <laughs> oh, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, writing a notepad to, writing on my notepad to myself. Uh, couple goals. Do kissy backflip. <laughs> Uh, I'll start training and I'll get back to that in about 10. <laughs> gotcha, fam. <laughs> but yeah, so, sorry, I got so distracted by the thought of how a kissy backflip would work. I've lost my train of thought. Uh, so much science, geometry, so physics. So much trigonometry involved. Physics even? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, these characters start divorcing themselves. Uh and one of the last kind of like bastions of the indirect influence of the Commedia dell'arte is in the Harlequinade. H- have you ever heard that term? Harlequinade? Yes. It sounds like Gatorade, but <laughs> better. Exactly, but sillier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if you're not familiar with the, the Commedia dell'arte or the Harlequinade individually, uh, for the listeners at home, if you're a Batman the Animated Series fan, you probably remember that episode featuring Harley Quinn called Harlequinade. Oh. Yeah, uh, which does a really great job of uh, introducing her character from the perspective of, again, Harlequin is a hopeless romantic type character. So I never put that together. Yeah, Paul Dini did his research. 
Wow. <laughs> Long live Harley Quinn. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so the Harlequinade is kind of just like a streamlined and pared down version of the Commedia dell'arte ethos. Um, it's just like a silly play that would often play or be played as an intermission or like an ending show in between other various like acrobatic or play acts. It was basically not a sideshow, but it wasn't the main show, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the characters are devolved to the point where it's like, you got the love interest, you got your Perot, you got your old man uh, who employs the Perot, you got the Harlequin who is also sometimes uh, employed by the Perot, and then you have a character in very, like, a- after time, it evolves. You have a character that's just named Clown. Hmm. Like, there's just his name. And I could not for the life of me find how that started. <laughs> So again, Comedia dell'arte people out there, I'm sorry. You can throw your tomatoes at me. (laughs) But the first guy who really uh, made the character of Clown like pop off, for lack of a better term, his name is Joseph Grimaldi. And he's fucking cool. Uh, At least uh, his appearances. I know nothing about the man. He is an Hmm. Englishman in the early 1800s. Who knows what he's actually like? But I will drop a picture and maybe you can verbally explain this. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, because it's oh. a lot. <laughs> All right. Um, he's got like the, the little pointy shoes, the little pointy English shoes with his over the knee socks that have like little bow ties holding them up. Of course, it's all decorated in like like a white base with red, blue, and yellow accents, but he's got the poofy pants that are poofy like above the knee and a little vest, poofy shoulders, blue sleeves, the puffy English collar like that Shakespeare would wear, holding a bottle, I think, of wine and a glass of wine in the other hand. Mm -hmm. And he's got a little bit of clown makeup going on and like funky clown hair, but like in the ye olde English, like drawn way where it's a little off, but you get the gist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually a blue mohawk. Wait, let me open this up more. It's not the best drawing to convey the fact that it's a blue mohawk, but he did a fucking blue mohawk. He had blue hair and pronouns. (gasps) Blue hair and pronouns, (laughs) let's go! (laughs) We stand blue hair and pronouns on this podcast. <laughs> I'm a fan of it. We're here for it. See, this is why I became a clown in the first place. <laughs> How else am I going to get my blue hair and pronouns? <laughs> Go straight to the source. <laughs> but oh, yeah, man. so Joseph Grimaldi, he is the guy. He is the guy who he does the white face paint and he's got those red cheeks and he's got this big poofy outfit. He's got this, you know, the blue hair. He is the ground zero i think i've said that like five times now but still he mm-hmm. is one of the many ground zeros is for clowns and this is where our modern clown comes from fun fact uh he is so recognized as like the the god i cannot stop myself from saying ground zero but he's like the the first clown ever the first capital c clown he mm-hmm. is so revered by modern clowns that Every year, Clowns International holds a funeral service for him. Uh, he is, again, he's English, so it, uh, it is in England in a church by where he's buried. And everybody like comes in clown makeup and they revere him. Clowns, actually, early on, they weren't called clowns. They were called Joey's uh, because of his first name. Like, he was, I, I mean, he was it. He was the guy. He was the it clown. 
not the scary clown. I more so meant to like it girl. Oh, I forgot about the goose in his pocket. <laughs> Wait, the goose in his pocket? Look at the picture. There's a goose hanging out of his pocket. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Ah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but also I'm sitting here now. I'm like, I don't know if my friend Joey's going to listen to this episode. I really hope he does. But now he's forever a clown in my eyes. Good. Yes, very good. And fun fact, Clowns International, if you want to become a member and you're a child, they have a reduced price Joey membership. They still call them Joey's. I know, it's adorable. Little babies. <laughs> Baby clown. But yeah, so this this is the guy from the Harlequin Aid. Uh, you know, circuses start gaming prominence, and he was such a popular silly guy character. It's like, if you're gonna put on an act, the Harlequin Aid, from my understanding, was played during some circus acts anyway, so it just kind of made sense. The clown got absorbed into the circus acts as they exploded in the late 1800s to, you know, like the early 1900s. Now, I will say my research is still in progress. So there is a blank spot kind of for me after the year, uh, let's say like 1940, unless we're talking about rodeo clowns. (laughs) (gasps) rodeo clown yes uh the way i i did my my studying uh is basically i i did it like vaguely chronologically uh and i decided to put rodeo clowns in before doing all of like direct clown history because boy (laughs) that one's that one's pretty long (laughs) i love that (laughs) so yeah i i recently did some rodeo clown research uh it's I, I it's going to be uh, hard for me to talk about the history of rodeo clowns without getting too much into the history of the American Southwest. So I won't spend too long on rodeo clowns, but I find them independently fascinating uh, mm-hmm. because the the rodeo clown, uh, I, I mean, just in a loose sense, the history of rodeos, uh, aside from them being very questionable in terms of their mm-hmm. uh, rights of animals, they are they basically came about because like two guys were arguing about who could like rope faster like literally that's how it started there is a record of these two guys who were like no i'm the best roper uh no i'm the best roper and they're like i'm gonna settle this with you in pico texas we're gonna go outside of town uh and and we're gonna settle this once and for all i tell you what (laughs) literally Uh, (laughs) and because cowboys are like insatiable gossips word got around and because it was the year 1883 and it there's not a lot to do in texas in 1883 that was fun Mm -hmm. for the whole family right (laughs) and so you hear like you're a mom or a dad and you hear oh shit these cowboys are gonna like race each other to rope a calf (laughs) Don't mind if I do. Uh, mm-hmm. and because oh, wouldn't you know it was 4th of July weekend? How convenient. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I, it, nobody knows this for sure, but I have this secret theory that they did it on purpose in order to draw a bigger crowd because cowboys, again, they would, they would never admit it. Uh, are but the cowboys the drama? They are. Cowboys are oh drama kings. They just do it in a very, in a more stoic way than most. Stoic drama. <laughs> uh, all, their drama is hidden by their mustaches. 
<laughs> and their big brimmed hats. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, these guys, they're getting together. And of course, like, there's some other guys getting in on it, too, for fun. Because what else are you going to do? And uh, it, there is a record of this one guy. He ropes a calf. I think it was in, like, 23 seconds or something. And, ooh, hey, yo, he wins. Yay. But that was the first rodeo ever. It set the precedent for, hey, people will come watch us if we ride horses. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and... So, you know, as that rodeo industry, for lack of a better term, starts to grow, there is a need for protection because as they start introducing bulls, they start introducing bull riding, right? And that mm -hmm. shit's dangerous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. It's like, I don't know, like, I, I think it was like almost two tons of just raw flesh on an animal. Yeah, that's. You know, that's a whole lot of, uh, that's, you know how there's danger doodles with the snakes? It's like a danger <laughs> slab. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just like the, Im the imposing nature of an angry bull is like that of a fucking thwomp in Mario. Just immovable. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they do also look square. Yes, they do. <laughs> just a big cube of meat. Meat cube. But, uh, so. You know, once you start introducing the more dangerous uh, uh, things, you know, obviously it's going to draw in more crowds, but it's fucking more dangerous. You don't want your cowboys who are technically like driving your main source of income, which is bringing in these audiences. You don't want them to die in front of the audience. That started, I mean, you know, people used to watch hangings in the 1800s, but as time goes on, yo, that kind of fell out of fa favor. <laughs> yeah. And so. You know, you, what you need are people who can divert the attention of a pissed off bull once he has thrown the man on off of his back. Mm -hmm. And that's where the term like bullfighter comes in. Uh, we're also going to hear about barrel men. <laughs> Those <laughs> are two different delineations, uh, both of rodeo clown and modern rodeo people. But I'll talk about that later. Also, just like the need for somebody to come on and make people laugh during like an intermission or let's say a cowboy did get injured or let's say a bull fucking just like escaped. That happened a lot. And so like, what are you going to do if you have a paying audience and they're getting pissed? You're going to put the funny cowboy out there. <laughs> <laughs> Look at and you're going to make him do a jig. <laughs> everybody relax it's fine the show's going on <laughs> literally and of course uh you know these started really growing uh over you know starting around the 1950s which is also when circuses uh, that wasn't like their biggest time ever but they were still going strong mm -hmm. and so like the entertaining nature there's a ton of crossover there circus acts used to rely a lot on animal tricks and so it just kind of naturally came to fruition that like you get the funny guy out there Make him wear some paint. <laughs> Make him a goddamn yeah. clown. Get her done. Exactly. Uh, and the ba the baggy clothes that rodeo clowns wear uh, do actually serve a purpose. It makes it easier so that if a bull like hooks them, they can just kind of like wriggle out <laughs> really quick. Oh, you know, it's better to get pantsed by the bull than mauled by the bull. Basically, yeah, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, over time, we get these fully fledged whole ass clowns, both doing acts during the intermission, 
Uh, and that could be uh, one thing I read a lot was uh, like chariots pulled by unconventional animals. There were multiple guys who had acts where they were just like led around the rodeo arena by some donkeys on chariots and they raced. I love that. Right? Like, how fun is that? Those are good guys. <laughs> Making an ass of themselves. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's making an ass of themselves in this rodeo arena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, it, it, you know, it's just shit like that. It, it's nothing it, super innovative. It's nothing super different than the kind of clownery you'd imagine. Uh, but it's all almost always animal focused, sometimes jalopy. Oh, read a lot about jalopy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so these acts uh, evolve. But at the same time, they are expected to usually back in the day pull that double duty of you're the guy also who you're in, you know, bright clothing and you're woo 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 ing around anyways. So, <laughs> hey, we want you in that ring so that when good old Jim Bob gets thrown off of a bull, you can divert the bull's attention so that he can escape or another clown can like drag him over the railing and save his ass, basically. Yeah. Very decorative rescue crew. It really is. And that's why I love it. It's such a weird position. Like, you are the clown and also the savior. You're kind of like the backbone. <laughs> you know, clowns are giving me, like, clowns, jesters, all of the royal fools have been giving me strong, like, bard slash support class energy. Yes. Like, that same sassy, entertaining aspect of the bards, but, like, they have been, in some ways, shape, or form, like, just super helpful mm -hmm. and i love that yes that is really it that, that, and that's such a fantastic perspective it really is it like the clown for as much as they are in the spotlight they're not in the spotlight really for themselves they're there for you yeah they're there to entertain your ass <sighs> much to think about to be in the 1800s and to be a funny little guy i know right oh <laughs> wearing frilly frills um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so support class is actually fantastic. Like that, I don't know what the D and D direct metaphor would be, but it's like the rodeo clown. They're just they're taking the they're not always taking the hits, but man, sometimes they do fucking take the hits. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they get the term bullfighter. Now, I mentioned barrelman before. I want to hear about the barrels. Oh, the barrels are great. Uh, because they were the brainchild of famed rodeo clown, and this is his real name, Jazbo Fulkerson. He came out of the womb like that? He did. <laughs> the American Southwest is a beautiful place sometimes, Romy. <laughs> I love that so much. I literally, when I was reading my sources on rodeo clowns, I kept a running list of the names that stuck out to me as particularly fantastic, and it's like 20 names long. <laughs> it was really a great time period and region for silly names. Oh man, <laughs> I I smell D and D characters a brewing. Yes, I, I'm only gonna drop one other one here. Let me. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean like Cliff Trimble? What? <laughs> <laughs> Cliff Trimble, God given name. Man, my mom needed to do a better job. That's why I got a chosen name. <laughs> You know, I don't actually know if that one was given to him by God or his parents or himself. I just am assuming it was his parents because, again, yeah. it was the time period. It was the style of the time. 
They don't have they didn't have a social security number to hold them back from anything. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Just like stowing all of your money under a mattress, you can name your kid whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jasbo Fulkerson, he was a he was a little guy. He was one of the littler guys, and <gasps> he had the idea one day, literally, like of just hey, if it's harder for me to run away from a bull, what if I just create something a little bit more uh, uh, defensively strategic, right? Okay, okay. And he takes a fucking barrel and he reinforces it with steel. And he's like, I'm, I think next time a bull's chasing me, I'm just going to get in this. And he does. And I mean, it fucking works. Like he lived. He lived actually for a fairly long time. His death was not bull caused, but I, by a, mm-hmm. I believe a car accident. Hey, you know. There's yeah, no right. barrel when you're in the car. Exactly. Car barrels have to be, that's got to be a new thing, right? Or is that basically <laughs> what baby seats are? <laughs> that's basically. <laughs> I need my adult car seat now. <laughs> <laughs> Booster seats are out, clown, or barrel, car barrels are in. <laughs> so, so little shorty Jasbo Fulkerson, he makes it like, uh, it's, Basically, so many other people are like, shit, that's useful (laughs) that he creates this whole other genre of clown, rodeo clown slash rodeo protector support class. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to this day, it is very sad. Over over the years, there have been fewer and fewer typical rodeo clowns uh, that are also bullfighters. They are like they're different species now, again, with like the branching off and the mutating of clowns. Uh, mm-hmm. This this has happened like the bullfighters and the barrelmen have split off from the entertainer rodeo clowns. Most of them are not uh, there. Uh, love them to death because they seem to be really good at their job and take it seriously and save lives. Not funny. They're not funny guys. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so it's it's become a role entirely divorced from its origin. But one thing that I find very cute and endearing a, a good amount of modern bullfighters and barrelmen, um, because although rodeos aren't as popular anymore, they're still going strong. A lot of them, they will wear like two or three like lines of face paint on their faces for no reason other than homage. And I find it very sweet. <laughs> they're Aww. like, I may not be funny or a clown but I will pay respects to those who came before me. <laughs> As is with tradition. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I, I, even though the roles are split, which it is fascinating, uh, you know, again, the, the, the division, uh, yeah, I'm just going to blame capitalism. It's, it's labor. <laughs> it's <laughs> capitalism's fault somehow. <laughs> dang it. I know. Oh, God dang beans. Oh, beans. Um, <laughs> But that's that's the it, it really it's a bummer uh, that the rodeo clown has sort of like trickled down this far into its division. There are a few older rodeo clowns that still do both. Uh, one of my favorites is Leon Coffee. He is a black rodeo clown and he's fucking awesome. He's fantastic. Uh, he like he was known for being like for like dancing in the arena, which when you're surrounded by a bunch of white southern men. <laughs> Like that really makes you stand out when you've got moves and you can dance on beat. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's how he made his name. And he's, like, I think in his 60s, and he's still fucking doing it. Uh, because of his age, he's more of a barrelman now. Makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Can't really run if you've been beat to shit by bulls for 50 years. Yeah. But, yeah, so he he's kind of like a, a dying breed of rodeo clown. And I wonder if they'll ever reunite again. Like, is there ever going to be another bull, like a bullfighter, a young one who's like, give me that fucking clown paint. I'm going all in. And he does the bull thing and then also tells a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to hire our own for that. We need to get the revolution going artificially. You know, I have ideas brewing in my brain now. But they're too good, and I can't put them on this podcast format. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll talk offline about this. We'll we'll start mm-hmm. our our uh, machinations. Oh my goodness! <laughs> our devious machinations. My little grubby hands are rubbing together, and I'm like, <laughs> hmm. hmm. <laughs> so those are the main subjects of direct fool lineage that I have studied, and that was a lot. And before I get to the really weird one. Do you have any questions? Do you have any, any follow-ups? No. I know I, I info-dumped an insane no. amount on you just now. I am a sponge. I've sucked it all up, and then I'm <laughs> using it to apply my makeup. Yes, excellent. So I'm, there's like the, you know that meme where the person like progressively puts their clown makeup on, but it's supposed <laughs> to be them like having dumb ideas, but that, no, that's just me throughout the podcast, like putting on more white face paint as you as you go because <laughs> i'm convincing you you're like yes mm-hmm. yes soaking in all the clown juice absolutely i'm gonna i'm i'm pulling up a meme maker right now to... <laughs> can, can you make continue as i make this meme <laughs> very yes excellent okay so now that we've laid down the ground rules and the ground basic history with the exception of the past 50 years of direct clown lineage i i will i'll take that as a follow-up the more interesting offshoot, and this is where I'm going to talk about, like, fool more than clown. Because, uh, again, I will talk about the taxonomy at the very end, but, uh, like, I find them kind of inextricably linked in a very interesting way. So one of the things I came across in my studies that I did not intend to write about because I didn't even know it existed was the role of the holy fool. Um, does that- The Christians got one? Yes, literally, the Christians got, I won't say clowns, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they got fools, baby. Hey. <laughs> you did that, you made that meme so fast, I love it. <laughs> I, I'm the fastest meme draw on the list. <laughs> meme rodeo, Romy takes the gold. Hey. Um, And so, uh, so the holy fool is a again, if I have any Christian scholars listening, you're gonna rip your hair out because I have a very <laughs> elementary understanding, and boy, am I not religious. Um, wheels, wheels is listening now. <laughs> wheels, his ears are burning. <laughs> so the the gist of it is the concept of the holy fool, uh, it, it comes from doing weird shit. God. That's in the most basic sense. That's what it means. That that's how I'm going to tell everybody about why I am the way I am. <laughs> Doing it for God. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, I mean, hey, if back in the day, as I'm about to explain, that would have fucking worked and you would have gotten potentially some uh, some money for it. <laughs> it's not witchcraft. It's for God. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, from what I can gather is I, I think it's oh, God, I hesitate to even say it again. Christian scholars get at me. I think it was St. Paul who t- coined the term like fool for Christ's sake in n- not like. Ah, uh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but, you know, ah. for the sake of Christ. Hmm. New and context. So he, he coins that term and he... It, in terms of, like, foolishness, I'm not saying jokes. I'm talking about shit like walking in the desert barefoot for seven days straight. Why? <laughs> for God. <laughs> it's for God, Romeo. Um, <sighs> like, you're... You're making a fool out of yourself. It, it's a form of like, uh, uh, kind of like self-flagellation, where you're making a fool out of yourself, doing like whack shit, and you are suffering for God because you love Him that much. I, I'm not Christian, so I don't really understand that more tracks. Than that. I guess <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, with that, super solid grounding my my great understanding of christianity mm-hmm. that is where the, the euro deviate comes into that's a russian term i'm not russian hmm. that and basically it is like the distilled version of a fool for christ's sake or a holy fool uh and it was kind of like almost like a phenomenon there were a lot of people over the course of um, I'd say like a hundred or two hundred years. They really ran strong uh, between the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, where there were just these weird fucking people, and they did weird shit, and people just kind of let them do whatever they wanted because they were viewed as, you know, being insane. And if they acted enough like it, or they were perceived enough like it, people would kind of assume that they were more godly because of their weirdness basically so i i wrote down some of the traits of a urdva include uh being half naked all the time nice nice being being homeless being a wanderer okay wanderlust yep speaking in riddles a good one we're getting to fey territory <laughs> always a good one it, this may be something that uh, you are familiar with like the history of somebody like somebody who's epileptic, uh, seizures being viewed as, oh, that's God coming through them. Hey, yo. Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> People would assume mm. that if you're having a seizure, that's either God or the devil. Really just depended on how you sold it <laughs> we, afterwards. We really hope it's the first one. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so being homeless, being naked, speaking in riddles, having seizures, uh, giving prophecies, they. And, you know, some people were better at it than others. <laughs> some people made them sound better than others. Yeah. And just kind of like, uh, you know, sometimes people were just like weird, yelly guys. They would come into a church service. They'd start yelling, rending their clothing and just, you know, saying shit like they, they couldn't help themselves. And people would be like, ah, yes, he must he must really love God. <laughs> <laughs> we got to be more like him. Exactly. Um basically like you know doing all of these things if you put it in the perspective or the context of 
there's no way anybody would do these things unless they were either insane or they had some sort of higher purpose or reasoning for doing it. That's that's where this holy fool role comes in. And I mean, obviously, there were plenty of people who were like, he's not a real holy fool. That guy's a poser. I saw him sleeping in a bed the other day. <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that kind of shit. Not so not so overt as that, although I, I actually wouldn't put it past somebody to throw that as like a, see, he doesn't really love God. He slept in a bed. <laughs> Man, I, I can't wait to hold that one. Yeah. I'm going to use that one later. <laughs> but yeah, so this, this kind of, these acts of for the sake of your religion, and this is something we see in other religions. I am not a religious scholar, so I won't speak too out of turn, but there are certain Native American uh, religious practices that also rely on this role of holy fool, just like a, a real fucked up, you know, wild guy who is bucking societal conventions in, you know, religious rights or uh, in order to uh, not not prove a point. You're not proving a point to God that you're a silly guy, uh, but in order to sort of like tell the story and facilitate whatever rite or ritual you're trying to do. Okay. So these uh, these Russian guys, they would do all of these wild things and they were basically not they weren't always revered. A lot of the times they were nuisances. But at the end of the day, a good amount of them were viewed as being both holy and also just being fucking fools. You know, again, you're doing all this weird shit. You're a fool. Why would you do these things? The mm -hmm. answer is for God. They are more tolerant of it. <laughs> mm. And so putting that piece, the holy fool, into the rest of the puzzle that is clowns, it kind of made something click for me in a way that it just hadn't before. Mm -hmm. And the way it made it click is I, I just kind of had like a, I had a moment where, you know, in anime, when an anime character has like this big realization and the camera like zooms out really fast on their face. Yeah, I had that. Because I was like, there, there's, there's fools in everything everywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not to get too big brained about it, but mm -hmm. there really is this fool clown ass role in every culture and society, every little niche uh, in a, in a micro culture, whatever. There's always some guy who's got to be doing weird or funny or both shit for the sake of uh, both himself and the people around him. And it's like, who was the first one to ever do it? Like, the, like what you brought up at the very beginning of the episode. One person did it once. And then it just kind of spiraled out. Who yeah. was that one person? Who was you the know? first, you know, homo sapien to do a funny little dance? And everybody else like clapped. Woo! Funny dance. And then we're, we were just, there's fools for the rest of history, you know? I don't you have know? answers. Unfortunately, uh, not yet. <laughs> I, I, you know, when did our, when did the brain evolve enough to find things funny? And then we see, like, the five-year-old is doing just something really dumb and silly, because as five-year-olds do. And uh, then you just copied it, and then you just go from there. I don't know. It, there ha I wish I could get a little time machine. With like an invisible outside so we don't mess with the space time continuum and just like right. take a gander. I know, right? It's it's the same question as like the first religion, right? 
Or it's yeah. like, where where did that start? And this is, I mean, this is a genuine sidetrack I had. And I, I have been meaning to read scientific articles about this. It's still on my list. Like, are there in various monkey societies, are there monkeys that are like funnier than others? Do you know what I've, I mean? Because I know that some apes can experience humor. Like we see them laugh at other shit sometimes. Are there, have we ever seen like one monkey who takes it upon themselves to be funny all the time or more than others? I, I don't know. I'm doing a Google search for monkey comedian <laughs> that have sense of humor. Hold on. Oh, wait. Funniest. Oh, if I type in funniest monkey, I'm going to get a lot of. Uh, nope. I just get, uh, aren't monkeys just the funniest? <laughs> This monkey's wearing pants. <laughs> that understand. Hold on. Humor. Tell me what animals understand humor. Yeah, so monkeys for sure. Okay, yeah. So it doesn't tell me more than just monkeys have a sense of humor. But that's not bad on my quick Google search. I could see monkeys being like the main humor havers. Mm -hmm. I mean, <gasps> aside from the fact that I've seen what they look like wearing pants and it is very funny. <laughs> you can tickle rats and dolphins giggle. Oh. oh my God. Can you? I do actively remember I had pet rats in middle and high school. And I do remember doing like the like tickling their little <laughs> bellies and they would do a little wiggle and like pat at my at my, you know, just like if you're tickling a baby. Oh. But because I didn't they didn't make a noise. They were just they were digging it so i thought they were just enjoying it like it felt good i didn't think it tickled <laughs> oh my god that is so cute i mean if they didn't like it they would have made an effort to go away so maybe they like oh yes yeah. they like tickles oh they're just little dogs rats are just <laughs> little dogs they're cute can i tell you this is so unrelated can i tell you my little it's not even a conspiracy theory it's like a little pet scientific theory i have absolutely so i am of the fervent opinion that the the reason humans became the you know quote unquote dominant species on earth and have mm -hmm. managed to domesticate so many animals is because we have hands that give they're like they're made for giving pets <gasps> and versatile pets to as different kinds of animals you know you can give a mm -hmm. you can give a little scritch scritch on the head of a tiny little snake and you can give a big cat a massage like Mm -hmm. We're versatile scientifically. That makes actually a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm glad that you think so because when I first had that thought, I, I've had this for like a decade in my brain where it's like, God, Ken, you're so smart. <laughs> you figured out. <laughs> you figured out hands. <laughs> These hands were made for pit. <laughs> that's just what they'll do. <laughs> that's exactly it. We're gonna we conquered all species by giving them really good head pats. Mm hmm. I mean, <laughs> my brain, I apologize. My brain was like, well, I could be conquered with some really good head pats. <laughs> Do not be sorry, because I think that's a pretty universal experience for humans as well. <laughs> because I can also relate. Absolutely. Don't just tell me I'm a silly little boy and I'll be fine. <laughs> All humans need a little pat pat now and then. And that's not a that's not a sex metaphor. I'm just genuinely talking a pat. Mm -hmm. um, just give me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I was, no, say your thing first, because I was going to get off this train before I started talking about Pats forever. 
um, I kind of just want to make a meme that's also the timeline of all the topics you covered and me, but I'm going to take real photos of me getting in clown makeup and it just gets expressively wilder and wilder. Like it'll probably be like twice as long as the original meme. Yes. But that was where my brain went. <laughs> I'm so happy. I can't, but I, I'm holding you to that because that sounds fantastic. Oh, <clears throat> <Hell> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Thinking, I, now I just want to pet like a, I, what was I talking about? <laughs> Uh, we we've covered all the fools. Oh yes, right. The first who was the first fool ever. We we will never know, and it's probably better that way. But it again, putting all of these pieces together, studying the like literal religious function of a fool, even if it is way different than what you would normally think of when you say fool. That put a bunch of things together for me. I I had my. I had my mo- my Jimmy Neutron got a blast moment and I was like every fool is a clown and every clown is a fool and that's why mimes are clowns I'll get more it came into full that circle. It came full circle <laughs> basically the the way that I have come to view ju- just like clowns and fools all together is like there is no point in taxonomy. There is no point in trying to to you know branch them out. As as I have laid out, even in this brief overview of the last thousand years, these things have uh you know the role of fools have evolved so organically, weirdly and unexpectedly, and they're everywhere for a reason. It's it's one of the most consistent archetypes across all of human culture or across all humans, across all cultures. Mm. And at the end of the day, I I have like this little it's not a motto, but I had this little breakthrough where it was like a clown. Like it's a clown is not just a guy in like a big suit and white makeup. A clown is the man who walks naked through the Volga for Christ. Uh, the, the man who drinks piss and gets beaten up for a seasonal ritual. The man who does a bunch of backflips in a play or shakes his little ass for the king. Or <laughs> even the man who tweets a lot. <laughs> the, a clown is all of these things because they are serving the purpose of being foolish. And it doesn't matter why they're being foolish. They are being foolish, and therefore, they've earned that title. And it's a well-earned one, and it's a useful one. Because, man, it would suck if we didn't have silly little guys. Oh, man, I wouldn't be here if there wasn't silly little guys. Right? Thank God for the silly little guys out there. Shout out to all the silly little guys. Uh, give me a woohoo as you're listening. Woo-hoo. Just, like, quietly to yourself, like, woohoo, for all the mm-hmm. silly little guys out there. <laughs> Give us a little silly tweet. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the silly little guys, they're not just for fun. They're like, they are a cultural pillar. There's a reason for them. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, they come in a lot of different fun flavors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for $5 a day, you too can keep these silly little fools going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gotta get that fool fund filled. Mm-hmm. Pay your full fees. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my spiel. That's 
the history of I won't even say most. It's the history of a lot of clown stuff, but not all. Not God, not all mm. at all. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but a, a great overview of the things mm-hmm. that have like over these past years specifically, just like really captured me. And like I said, it's just made me earn a lot of respect for all of these different roles throughout history. Yeah. Oh. Clowns, you know? Clowns. I get this uh this nice little like informational high after I record these episodes. So I'm sitting here in my nice little afterglow, like, yeah. <laughs> Silly little guys. Like, I, I, it's, it's a combination of like, I've learned so much and I feel yet it, very validated all at the same time of like, we've always been here. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Like, it, it makes you feel like being, uh, being silly. It's not just like, you know, for attention. It's, it's not just for my own personal salve. It's, it holds a real purpose, making somebody laugh. I mean, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just like <laughs> blown away. I'm. This is. I always feel bad because I'm like bad at words by the end of the show because I'm. I've have so many at the same time. Like I, I, I'm. I am a full sponge right now, and I'm dripping a little bit. You know, you got to hold me over the sink. But uh, ah, uh, clowns are so cool. I. I wish I had more impactful and meaningful. Closing thoughts, I guess. Yeah. But I definitely would like to, at some point, if there was a way, because like you said before, it, you know, the, the the history of a lot of these fools is not like, well, it, you know, it's a lot of like personal opinions and not so much like just a straight up like, here's facts about the fools of yesterday. And I'm wondering if it's like, hey, can I get some not Netflix, but Netflix esque of like, hey, can you can you fund this? Can we please get that documentary we all need? Get the please. fools in here now. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I will. I I didn't lie. I didn't exaggerate when I said proselytize earlier. I <laughs> everybody needs to know the importance of clowns and fools. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And today we have it in an audio format. Tomorrow, whom's can say? <laughs> Netflix presents. <laughs> exactly. My my challenge uh, to everyone, the entire world, uh, but specifically whoever's listening, be sillier tomorrow. Just challenge yourself. Be sillier tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a lot. You don't have to start learning how to juggle. Juggling's hard. You don't have to be that. Just be a oh, little juggling sillier is so tomorrow. Hard. You, yeah, I... It, <sighs> I will add this into the closing thoughts because this is uh, one of my personal like epiphanies I've had, um, especially growing up and still continuing to be neurodivergent <laughs> um, and learning how people function and like how to properly behave in society. Of course, in my in my brain, there's a lot of like boundaries and rules. It's like, well, this is how people behave. Here's the equation. And then you get those people who just mess that up, but not in a bad mm-hmm. way. But they're they're outside of these this equation that I have built in my head, and they always are just so cool. You know, they get away with so much stuff. Uh-huh. How do they do that? I was a goody little two shoes right. growing up. You know what I mean? I had my good grades on a roll, and my room was clean mm-hmm. for the most part. But you know, it's like ah, oh, it's really great to 
know that we as a society of people have always just been like, yeah, that's just that's just them. Yeah. <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> exactly. So and be that, silly. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's it's helped me. I was uh, I mean, I still deal with really bad anxiety, but it was way worse earlier in life. And like trying to be funny and goofy was like, you know, like a, a, a not a coping mechanism exactly, but a, like a survival one where, mm-hmm. you know, being a little silly, it breaks the tension in a situation. Even if you get a pity laugh, hey, it's still a laugh. Hey, got a giggle. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, it's like being, and that's the other thing, not to get too corny, for lack of a better word, but especially mm-hmm. nowadays, it's like, you know, it, I think it's really especially good to be silly in your day to day as much as possible. And of course, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to be silly in situations that they do not warrant. But just in a general sense, bring it a little silly here and there. It does a lot Mm -hmm. for yourself and for the people around you. And I mean, it's fun. Have a a little fun. Put some clown makeup on. Put on a jester hat. Shake your little bells. Mm Mm-hmm. Get jingly with it. Get jingly with it. <laughs> Pop in a barrel. I ran out of options. Oh, Honk no, it glittered. <laughs> but don't worry, I got you. Honk your horn. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, he said it. He said the line. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glowing. Good. Um, I know that, including me, but probably other listeners too, very likely so, are would love to know the resources or at least whatever ones that you can remember. Um, so at some point, I would love to get a little bit like the the name of the book that you were uh, telling us about that you read. Yeah, I can give it to you right now. That and others. Or should I? Ooh. Would it be better in text form? Either way. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy. So my sources. Uh, so my main one uh, for jesters, like I said, was uh, Fools Are Everywhere. And the author of that was Beatrice K. Otto, uh, written in the 90s. Again, it was just like a really well-researched, tight look uh, at jesters around the world in history. So can't, if you want to start anywhere, if you're going to pick any one of these books to read, read that one. Okay. For Rodeo Clowns, I used uh, Fearless Funny Men by Gail Somebody. One second. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Gail Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> my, fav- my favorite one. Uh, Fearless Funny Men by Gail Hughbanks Warner. There we go. That's her. Those were my two main sources, obviously, like for jesters and rodeo clowns. For holy fools, I wish I could give better sources, but I do have a handful of journal articles that I can offer links to. I got them for free on JSTOR. I I'm not in mm-hmm. school, so I just use like a free JSTOR account, so anybody can nice. Uh, yeah, anybody can access them the same way I did. And for the Commedia dell'arte, I mean, same basic thing. The only difference uh, was I did find this real old ass book called. The History of the Harlequinade by Maurice Sand. Again, really old, really outdated, but it was one of the few books that I could get my hands on that offered like an actual comprehensive look at the history of the Commedia dell'arte rather than arguing why 
Al, Al Vecchio wore a mask with a mustache on it and, you know, whatever pretentious other <laughs> theater thing that they wanted to do. There's a lot of, a lot of arguing in the articles that I read, uh, but I can't provide that for those who want drama. Absolutely. We all love drama. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those were my main sources, at least up to this point. If I think of any others, I can definitely give them to you because I'm sharing the love for those who have uh, the insatiable desire to learn niche subjects. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and I know that I am absolutely I'm glowing right now. I'm absolutely so hyped that I've learned about all these different fun guys. Good. With my favorite fun guy. <laughs> You're my favorite fun guy. Thank you Ow. so much. <laughs> I'm just a little guy. Thank you for letting me ramble about clowns. The clown uprising, it is happening. More and more more mm-hmm. and more people every day are appreciating and even becoming clowns. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me use your platform to spread my mind virus. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> I'm much appreciated. But in, unless you have any other closing thoughts, uh, are you are you down? Are you down to share your your links, your how people can find you on the Internet? Absolutely. So my main link uh, is on Twitter. That's basically where I live, unfortunately, for better and for worse. Uh, and you can find me there at I saw Ken at I-S-A-W. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> I spelled oh, no. my own name wrong. <laughs> Uh, I'm just also basking a wash in fools uh, at I S A W K E N. You can find me on Twitter there. That is also the link to my Kofi, and you will find a link to my link tree there. I don't exactly have a lot of other irons in the fire, but I do have an Instagram page um, for those of you who are interested uh, in watching me learn how to do makeup good. I am one of those people. I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite the journey, let me tell you. I have. I have wasted much lash glue and mm. poked myself in the eye with falsies a lot. Oh, the falsies, I, the magnetic ones is where I had to go. I couldn't do the glue anymore. I'm finally, I'm about to make the jump because good Lord, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've glued my eyes open so many times. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it's just the one thing I can't get good at. Oh no. <laughs> and the worst part is I won't even realize it until like, after I take my pictures, I'm like, why are my eyes so dry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's because they've been pried open for the last 20 minutes. Judas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you again for being on my show. Thank you again oh, for God. having me. This was a joy. You're a joy. Oh. <laughs> and this was fantastic mm-hmm. bonding time. You Absolutely. listening to me railroad talk about clowns and honk my horn. <laughs> you literally uh and i i if you ever just need to talk about clown stuff you can always hit me up <laughs> always i'm so glad that you said that i might have a secret projects in the works that i need a mm-hmm. second opinion on and now that i've i've uh indoctrinated you at least the first step into it i think you'd be a great candidate to help Got me work on my super door. secret clown project Ooh, we'll talk about it more after the episode because I also have I have I have a bunch of other ideas. There's so many things that he talked to you about after this episode. I'm gonna do <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I can't wait again to go with the theme. Rubbing my grubby little hands together over here now. Grubby hands. <laughs> All right, I'll do my little outro bit and then okay. words.
Uh, you can find me on the internet at I appreciate your butt at the twitter.com. That is I A P P R E C I, the number eight B U T T. I'm the butt CEO. And uh, yeah, I just tweet way too much. Right now is all about Chainsaw Man. Um, sorry, that's all I know. I only think about the little boy. That's it. A little, little puppy boy. <laughs> and then um, you can find this podcast as a whole at uh, twitter.com forward slash the hyperfix pod, where you'll also find the link to our discord where you can see the pictures that me and Ken are talking about in the season two tab under clown history, as well as uh, you can find the moonshot network linked there. The moonshot network is the reason why I can do my silly little show. And they gave me a second season. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to give it to me, but they did. Well earned. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) So thank you to Moonshot. They're at Moonshot Pods on Twitter, and they do streams on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Moonshot Network. I'm so proud of myself for remembering that. (laughs) Thank you to Offuscate. That is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E for my intro and outro music. You can find them on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, they're amazing. So if you need any musical needs done, you should reach out to them because they're amazing. And I think that's it for my plugs. I think so. Let's go with that. Yeah, that's it. If it's if I got any more, I'll put them in post. <laughs> there um, you go. So be safe, everybody. Don't die. Drink your water. And badoop. Hey, Jane. Hey, Jacqueline. What do you think the most significant YA book series like the 2000s to the 2010s is? Oh, definitely The Hunger Games. No, no, I mean like... Like uh, Twilight, Twilight. That's the best No, one. no, I'm talking about the Percy Jackson series by Riordan. Uh, I've not heard of those. If I wanted to listen to a funny podcast about those, what would you suggest? Well, I would recommend Unwise Girls, which you and I host. This is a podcast where we reread, analyze, and frequently joke about the books of the Rick Riordan verse. And we see why people call these the best young adult magical series of the 2000s. And we always take time to declare which characters are canonically, factually, not cishet, because Rick Riordan is not the boss of us. Listen to Unwise Girls every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Moonshot Network. <laughs>